Welcome to From the Front Porch, a conversational podcast about books, small business, and life in the South. It's a particular kind of pleasure, of intimacy, loving a book with someone. Lily King, Writers and Lovers. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia, and this week I'm joined by Hunter McClendon of Shelf by Shelf fame, and we are chatting about books we love that you might have missed since, you know, we're living through a global pandemic. Hi, Hunter. Hello. Let me just say, I get so tickled every time you say Shelf by Shelf fame, because it legitimately makes me feel like I'm a real live famous I feel person. like you are. What are you at now? 22,000? followers is that right? yeah you've surpassed the bookshelf yeah. my friend i feel like that is worthy of praise and celebration you're taylor swift you're 22 i literally that i have literally been singing that i don't even like that song and i have been singing it nonstop ever since i hit 22 so. <laughs> <laughs> oh i feel like you are very much worthy of the air quotes fame uh moniker so congratulations oh, well thank you <laughs> okay so i originally asked you on here because i thought it would be fun to like you know, follow up on our top 10 conversation that we had, I don't know, late June, early July. But then I got to thinking and I was like, wait a minute, I really want to talk to Hunter about books I might have missed or he might have missed because I do think there were some books that just got rushed because a lot of books came out this year and all the publication dates were kind of muddled and messy. and there was a global pandemic. And so our reading lives were all kind of wonky. So I really want to talk about the books we might've missed. Yeah. There's an episode, like I just have to say, there's an episode of Glee um, in season two called Night of Neglect, where it's literally about them like featuring artists that kind of have gone under the radar. And I feel like we're being like Glee right now. So remember the heyday of Glee? (sighs) Yeah. I am pretty sure I don't know where it is anymore because I don't know what I did with all my CDs, but I had the Glee season one, maybe even season two soundtracks or oh. album, whatever CDs. I still love Corey and Leah's rendition of um, Journey. Yes. <laughs> so good. So good. <laughs> um, okay. So I think we both have about, I don't know, five or six titles. So why don't we just go kind of back and forth? You start us off. Tell me a book that might have been missed earlier this year. Okay. This is actually a book that didn't, it came out recently, but I feel like, and I've actually posted about it several times already, but I feel like no one's actually picking it up yet. Um, It's The Office of Historical Corrections by Danielle Evans. Yes. Talk to me about this because I have seen you post about it. The cover is very striking and I am curious. Okay. So it's a short story collection um, that's navigating race, uh, racism, loss, and, and, uh, I guess just like everything. (laughs) Um, but it is, I don't, I've talked to you before, but you know, I love Alice Monroe as a short story writer because I feel like she feels, she, she feels like an entire novel's worth of story. And a lot of people say this, but she feels like an entire novel's worth of story into a short story. And Danielle Evans does something very similarly here. Every, like, I don't know if you ever read that short story collection, Heads of the Colored People. Um, no, but it looks so good too. Oh, it's you, you'll love it. But it's this is very similar in that 
every single story is so good and so like you know sometimes short stories like they're kind of hard to get into and then you're trying to like fight like I never felt like that with this one I I was immediately immersed into every single every single one and her writing is so good and so sharp and I, I don't know I just loved it I it's been a long time since I've fallen in love with a short story collection and so I have been intrigued because I've seen you post about this one and I may just need to pick it up because any book that is tackling loss, grief, racism, all of the above, I feel like belongs in 2020. Like it just sounds like it's dealing with what we are dealing with. (laughs) Well, it literally, I will say too. Yeah. It's, it's really funny because there's several things that she writes about that she'd written some of these stories years ago and they're still so timely. And she said, she was like, I almost thought about taking it out because it felt too on the nose. And I was thinking like, oh my gosh, that was so perfectly encapsulates everything that's happening. I kind of love the serendipity of a lot of books I've read this year, which brings me to my first suggestion, Weather by Jenny Awful. Did you read this? No, and I have a copy. Hunter, you would love this book. Really, truly, you would love this book. Um, I like her a lot. She wrote Department of Speculation, which mm-hmm. I read. And weirdly, I think I heard about Jenny Awful from a Christian writer, Shauna Nequist. She has posted about her before. And so that's, I think, where I really heard about her. I read Weather, I want to say, like smack dab March, maybe April of this year. And Jenny Awful's way of writing is almost stream of consciousness. Like it's very... Uh, it's very different from what I normally read and there is a rhythm to it, but what she is writing about somehow does appear so timely. And I remember reading weather and thinking, how could she have possibly known? (laughs) And I think that's what's so amazing about artists is the reality is she didn't know that we would be enduring a global pandemic, but she certainly knew and could have predicted that we would be dealing with grief, with being, maybe lost to the people we love and to ourselves to some extent. Maybe she could have predicted our angst and anxieties and how we relate to one another and the polarization of our communities. Like I think writers and authors and artists who had their finger on the pulse of especially what's happening in America, I think could have predicted those things. And so the way she writes is just so beautiful. This is a work of fiction. It is a novel, not a short story, not a poetry collection. It is just an unusually written, almost novella even. The way she writes reminds me a little bit of Megan Hunter, who wrote The Harpy and The End We Start From. I just think if you are looking for somebody to voice and to put to words what we have experienced this year or what yeah, what we as a culture have experienced in the last nine to 12 months. I think somehow she does a really remarkable and a beautiful job. So my pick is Weather by Jenny Awful. I love that. Now I I have to read it. I really do think you would like it so much. It it reminds me of one of those Hunter and Annie books. Like it's it's the middle of our Venn diagram. So perfect. Um, Speaking of our Venn diagram, I feel like this really is... On the it's on the opposite end of the spectrum of our Venn diagram, but I think it still fits within both of ours. Um, it's Under the Rainbow by Celia Lasky. I just saw somebody else, our mutual bookish friend, Hattie. Yeah, Hattie yeah. just posted about this, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I need to read this book." It sounds very much in my wheelhouse. It's very, in some ways, it reminds me of the like just the the style of it reminds me of Emma Straub. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very charming. It's about this, um, it's about like this 
queer activist group, I think, who it's been, I read it back in January, February, but um, it's about this queer activist group that goes to like this place that's deemed the most homophobic town in America and has like a task force basically that is trying to help spread more like um, knowledge and awareness. And Mm -hmm. every chapter is a different character in the story. And I don't like, it's one of those things where like, you know, so many queer stories are very sad or something like really awful happens. And this was so light and fun, but also very thoughtful and interesting. And I don't know, I, I, it's so funny because I wasn't sure what to expect from it, but I just found it so charming. And it's one of those that I keep thinking about throughout the year. And I also, it's from Riverhead and I love the cover. So, Is it correct to say that this book gives you Schitt's Creek vibes? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That that's kind of the sense I get is that it maybe addresses things the way Schitt's Creek really did. I don't know. Just the the ta- the idea that it kind of takes place in this small town and it's a group of people kind of moving in wanting to make people more aware and more inclusive and it just reminds me a little bit of the of the vibes I get from from Schitt's Creek. So, it sounds like I might need to pick it up. Yeah, that's that's exactly. It. You're so good at this. Oh, thank you so much. Um, I really do love pairing books and movies and TV shows um, because I consume a lot of media. (laughs) Probably too much media. Okay. My next one is His Only Wife. This is by Peace Adzomadi. I wanted to recommend it because it came out earlier this year and I do think maybe had some buzz, but it's one of those books that I think, (laughs) this is so terrible to say, but I feel like at least at the bookshelf, some of our readers, if they pick up one book in a certain genre or about a certain thing, then they're not going to pick up other ones. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like we're almost like checking it off a list. And I think I'm guilty of this too, because we only have so much time and so much bandwidth. And so I watched a lot of our customers in the bookshelf pick up, I'm trying to think what another example would be, Girl with the Louding Voice, Mm. or I just feel like our customers pick up one, but maybe not the other. And again, I'm not really critiquing that because sometimes we only have so much time or, or mental space, but I want people to go back and pick this one up. First of all, the cover is gorgeous. If we're talking about covers, this one is beautiful. And second of all, it is so well written. The book grabs you from the first page. And I I do think one of the things that was interesting about this book and that maybe, I don't want to say hindered it, but maybe affected the way it sold was that it was being billed as like this kind of crazy rich Asians for West Africa, Mm. which that is not what this (laughs) Like, I cannot stress enough that that is not what is happening in this book. Instead, I really do think it is more for the readers of Girl with a Louding Voice or something like that. Actually, it reminds me of the backlist title called Stay With Me by Ayubami Adebayo, um, which I loved a few years ago when it came out. This book grabs you from the first sentence because it talks about how this woman marries a man who is in abstentia even on their wedding day. So he doesn't even show up for their wedding. And it's this arranged marriage. And I think where the publisher kind of got this idea that it was crazy rich Asians um, is that the man she has married is very wealthy. And so she goes from living in this small little village in West Africa to living in the big city. And she lives in like this high rise apartment, but she never really sees or interacts with her new husband. Um, She's been put in this arranged marriage by his family because he has this lover they don't approve of. And maybe it's because I've been reading and watching 
I've been watching The Crown and reading about Princess Diana a lot, but I very much get royals vibes from this because this family wanted so desperately their son to marry someone that they picked. So they picked her, but he never stopped loving his lover. Like he never, he never gave her up. And that just sounds like Charles and Camilla and Diana to me. Uh, So if that is something you are also obsessed with right now, then I think you would also really like his only wife. This is all about her journey to figuring out who she is and adjusting to life that she might really like this life in this new city away from her family. But it's not the marriage she envisioned or dreamed of. So, yeah, if you liked Stay With Me or Girl With a Louding Voice or A Burning, I think you should try His Only Wife. And again, cannot stress how beautifully written and how beautiful and gorgeous the cover is. This is well worth your time. Also, was you were talking about one of your other selections earlier. You said it was short. And I do like the length of this book. Like, it is just long enough to kind of grab you and tell the story it needs to tell. But it does not go on too terribly long, which in 2020, I desperately needed something for my bizarre attention span. I added it to my list because it literally sounds perfect. And oh, I think you're going to like it. I'm, ex- I think you'll like I'm it. excited. And you're right. The cover is like stellar. It's the, uh, the colors on it are gorgeous. I have the arc, but, and the arc actually does have the same cover as the final copy, but there's part of me that's like, do I need to own this? I think maybe I need to own the hardback of this. It's just so pretty. Uh, I feel like I do that all the time. Literally, <laughs> like, yeah, I do. It's fine. <laughs> okay, so my next pick is it's called Sad Janet by Lucy Bridge, I believe. Sad Janet. This also has a very striking cover. I have been so curious about this. Tell me all about it. Okay, so I will like there's like this one, there's this like one little, it's like th- these three sentences that are just so punchy that I feel like sum up the whole book, which says, um, I feel sad, which is fine. It's something I know how to do. <laughs> and it is very um it has a very kind of like flea bag-esque it's like it's kind of in that vein it's also reminds me a little bit of i know you didn't read it but she did get it for me for my birthday two years ago um my year of rest and relaxation oh yeah yeah it's and which you also have to read that but back to but but that is <laughs> it is but it is one of those that is just so squeamishly funny and it's a lot and a lot of it kind of comes down to this idea of is it okay to to be sad and also like should we be pursuing uh like help through medicine and like well, and also like it's it's asking a lot of really complicated questions about that and about the ways that people expect us or that's the thing too it's it's basically about the ways that people expect us to get better for them not for us mm. and it's dealing with a lot of heavy stuff but it's so so funny and so weirdly charming and i i kept trying to get people to read it and then i think i think because i will just say the first page has it's one of those things where you're like i don't know if i'm gonna because it's just i don't i don't know i think like a dog is is using the bathroom or something and of course that's always gonna you know turn people (laughs) off at first but i'm like keep with it keep with it okay that's good to know because i do think this one came across my desk like i feel like i got an arc of this and i'll be honest this is a great one to mention in this episode because because it was called Sad Janet and I was sad. Like I just, I just felt like I don't know if I can handle this right now. But I'm glad to hear that it's funny. And, you know, I love anything that's like funny but also deeply dark like that, like Fleabag. Yeah. That's really what that whole show is about. So maybe I need to go back through my stacks and pick this one up. Okay. I'm mentioning this next one just because – 
every year, I always feel like the books I read in January feel like a fever dream. They feel like something I read a decade ago, but that is especially true of 2020. And so my next one is a book that came out in January. It is called Writers and Lovers by Lily King. Did you ever read this? Yeah. Okay. I loved this book, but I forgot I read it this year. Like, I honestly think I I feel like it was my January shelf subscription, I want to say, but it just feels like it happened so long ago. But I wanted to mention it here because it's a quiet novel that I think would be great to read in the winter. And here we are embarking on some of the coldest months of the year. So in the book, it's set in the 90s. The main character is this aspiring writer, but she's currently recovering from the loss of a parent and she's in the middle of grieving and figuring out who she is in the middle of this awful loss and so she's waiting tables and then she really kind of falls in love with a couple of different guys and yes the romantic relationships in the book are interesting like i do appreciate that the characters are all pretty well-rounded and the relationships are well-rounded she um, starts to date or fall in love with this older professor. And then she also is very attracted to this younger guy. So it's almost like the dilemma that our beloved Sutton Foster faces in Younger. Mm. But it's also, it, this book is not funny. It like it, I don't recall it being like particularly joyous. Instead, it's just this really interesting look at the writing life. And even though I loved the romantic relationships in the book and I appreciated what they brought to the table, what the book really is about is the young woman at the heart of the book trying to figure out who she is after losing a parent and and losing her way in terms of writing. Like she doesn't know how to write anymore. And as someone who frequently processes by writing, I love this idea and appreciate this idea that like when grief happens and when grief strikes, sometimes we are at a loss for words in all kinds of ways. And and I love the transformation that this character makes. And so that's really why I love the book. I appreciate the romantic relationships and I think they are handled really well. But I also just love this book about it's essentially about the writer's life and what that looks like. So it is Writers and Lovers by Lily King. Do you ever do you ever hear somebody talking about a, a book that you've already read and then you like want to read it again because of how they talk about it? <laughs> yes, that does happen to me a lot. Yeah. Um, but... You read it. Did you also like me read it a million years ago? Yeah. Like whenever you said like you, I was like, I was like, oh, yeah, I was like, that was this year, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Writers and Lovers came out so long ago. And so I just and look, not only did it come out so long ago, but because March just man came in like a raging bull. Like it just feels like any book that came before it, we barely, we hardly knew them. Like it just, we didn't have time to appreciate them. And so I, I just want to mention it because I do think it's a lovely book to read while you're like cuddled up in front of a fire. I was about to say, that's a great pick for right now. So you meant you, what did, didn't you call this like a fever dream? Is that what you called that one? Maybe. Yeah, it feels yeah. like it. it fe- yeah, the the books we read at the beginning of the year feel like a fever dream. <laughs> well, I'm going to use that as my segue for this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so this next one, I feel like it really did go under the radar and I'm surprised by it, which is Sisters by Daisy Johnson. Oh, yes. I did not read this book. Okay. You're, you have to read it. It's literally right. It's so perfect. It's a literary thriller about these twin sisters and their mother and it's like a haunted house type story, but not in the way you would expect. 
And there's actually, I'm going to do another thing where I quote, but this is a perfect quote that I feel like sums up the whole book, really. And it says, she has always known that houses are bodies and that her body is a house in more ways than most. She housed those beautiful daughters, didn't she? And she has housed depression all through her life, like a smaller, weightier child. And she housed excitement and love and despair. And in the settle house, she housed an unsettling worry that she finds difficult to shake, an exhaustion that smothers the day out of her. Ooh, that has 40 rooms vibes to me. It's got some very, has some very, yes. Um, it is very unsettling. It is very, but like, which 40 rooms wasn't unsettling, but it does have that, that, um, this idea of a person being a, a, a body being a home in a way. Yes. Like, and this tension of who am I? Yes. Yeah. Who am I without? Yeah, without these different identities I've had. Yes. And I think and I don't and it's it's just really interesting, I guess, because Daisy Johnson, I'm convinced, is a, a total genius. And there's something actually, okay. Do you remember that like how great the atmosphere of Rebecca was, even though it was like Yes. Okay. So it has like this really great atmosphere, but it's literally under two hundred pages. Okay. Already like it. Yeah. <laughs> already here it, for it. And, and I will say I, it's not, it's not one of those literary thrillers where you're going to be like shocked by what happens. I don't think, but I do think it's going to be one of those where you are so invested in the characters in the story and how beautifully written it is that you're not going to be able to put it down. Gosh, that sounds good. And I do love a literary thriller. I do. I know. And there's, there's so few great literary thrillers out there, like realistically, like Yes. Well, yeah, because I also, well, because I also like a commercial thriller, but there is something about a really well-written atmospheric one. That just reminds me of like this, what, there was like one literary thriller we read a couple of years ago for Love It or Loathe It back when that was like a thing. Heaven help me. What was that book called? Oh gosh, I can't even, was it? Was, was it called Walt? <gasps> what was that called? Was that it? Was it called Walt? Oh gosh, maybe. And he worked at a grocery store? Yes. Uh <laughs> I really did not like that. That was not, it was just not good. Sorry to whoever wrote Walt, but that was not <laughs> it. Like, you know, rarely do I just flat out say I didn't like it, but I just, even all these years later, I recall really not liking that book. I don't even know if I actually like, I think I just skim read the second half because I was like, what's the point? I wonder what I'd think about it now. I'm not willing to try, but I, <laughs> I wonder what I would think about it now. I'm going to go now in a totally different direction because I do feel like the books we've talked about so far, other than Sad Janet, Sad Janet sounds kind of funny, but they're all a little bit dark. <laughs> and so I'm going to I'm gonna take us lighter now. Um, look, this is a big name author, so this shouldn't be a book that wasn't on your radar, but I just feel like we missed it. So I'm plugging Sex and Vanity by Kevin Kwan. Guys, this book is so fun. And I just feel like however you felt about the Crazy Rich Asians trilogy, which I know I've already referenced once on this episode, um, but however you felt about it, this still is different enough where if you didn't like Crazy Rich Asians, I still think you could like Sex and Vanity. But also it is just a, oh my gosh, I hope I do this right. But I think it's just a retelling of Room with a View, as I recall. Oh, Okay. I think that's what, oh gosh, I hope I'm referencing the right classic novel there. Um, but I believe it's an, I think it's, is that an E.M. Forrester book? Yeah. Anyway, no time to Google. Everyone Google on your own. Uh, but Sex and Vanity by Kevin Kwan, I read it this summer and I just needed it. Do you know what I mean? I just needed a romp. I just needed to be taken away to 
the coast of Italy to a fancy wedding, a wedding I would never in a million billion years get invited to or get to go to. I needed the rich costuming. I needed this book and it was so great. It is about, it starts at a wedding and over on the coast of Italy, then eventually winds up back in New York. So the settings are great and we are all still very much stuck at home. So if you need to travel through literature, this is for you. I remember laughing out loud and also being enthralled by it. And I feel like I had a few books this year where it just felt like I needed a book I could absolutely fly through. Like I just needed a book that I could devour. And this was one of them. So if you somehow missed it or if you didn't pick it up this year because you just felt kind of ambivalent about it, maybe it felt too indulgent for 2020. It's okay to indulge. It's okay. Um, And I think you can safely indulge with Sex and Vanity by Kevin Kwan. I'm glad that you mentioned that one because I think you're right. Even though it was like a big name, I I feel like that one kind of like, it had a, like a quick burst of heat and then kind of like went out. Yes, absolutely. I just feel like books weren't given enough time to marinate this year. That's so true. Actually, okay. So I was going to pick a different one that I was like, oh, I'll pick something happy and cheery. Um, no, I don't read those. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, there are none on this list. <laughs> well, no, like we've, like we've got, we had Under the Rainbow and we had... Oh, yeah. Sex of it. Yeah. Yeah, we're fine. This one is not sad, but it's also not like, a, it's not, it's not a cheerful one, but it's uh, Cleanness by Garth Greenwell. Yes. Um, which I don't feel like, I just, I hate that this one like didn't get, it was a tough sell to begin with because it is literally, it is a book that is most, <laughs> I don't want to say it's mostly about like queer sex, but it's, that's kind of what it is not necessarily about that it's it's about the dynamics of lauren groff once said when she was writing about when writing about this those kind of the the love scenes in fates and furies that you know it's a conversation like that's what the, it's a conversation that's being had between two people and i think that cleanness understands that so well and and i, I can still like there's this one i don't even have to like look to know the quote but there's this one moment that just like really struck me in the book and it says you're filthy i said but i love you ah uh, and it- that's the truth. <laughs> right, yeah. And like, and it's just one of those things where the writing is so beautiful on a sentence level. And it's, and it's really, it's, I mean, it, he writes about the dynamics of queer men and what, like, and, and the anxieties of, you know, of feeling shame and also feeling desire and all these, and, and how all that kind of comes together. And it's just one of those that, is really smart, really thought provoking, really discomforting, but in a way that I really appreciated. And I want everyone to, I want everyone to squirm with me. Oh, that's a good, that's a good tagline. I want want everyone to squirm with with me. I feel like that's good. Okay. I'm going to do one more. My last one is the silent treatment. This is by Abby Greaves. Partly, I want to talk about this because I feel like I did this book a disservice. Um, I previewed this book in like our spring or winter, some time or another, our literary preview. So I talked briefly about this book because I thought it sounded so charming. It sounded like a darkly funny, like standard deviation or misfortune of Marion Palm kind of book about a married couple. The woman has she immediately like no spoilers like just in the first page or two has a house has an accident she overdoses and she we don't know if it's accidentally on purpose and she is in a coma 
And so she can't speak. She is like unable to communicate. And her husband comes to visit her in the hospital. And this is when we find out that he has been giving her the silent treatment. They have not been speaking for like years and maybe months, but I think it's years. It's like a long period of time where they have not spoken to one another. And all of a sudden he is faced with having to speak up for her and having to speak for her and also speak to her because she cannot speak for herself and she cannot interact with him. For some reason, I thought this book was going to be hilarious. I I don't know why. <laughs> I truly don't know why. I think the cover just looked comedic to me. Mm-hmm. And so when I previewed this book, I said, this book sounds darkly funny and everyone should read it. And then I wound up reading it after I did the preview and thought, oh, dear, this book is wonderful, but deeply sad and dark. <laughs> like it's, it's not funny at all. Um, if anything the moments of lightness are more sweet than funny Mm -hmm. because it is really this look at a very complicated marriage and what happens between two people and how to redeem and recover from, I don't know, from your anger, from your arguments, from your inconsistencies of character. It's just all about how a marriage can die or can flourish. And I wound up, I'd like to be clear, I wound up really loving it. It's just so unlike what I told everyone it was. (laughs) And so I feel so badly about it that this is me encouraging you to read The Silent Treatment, but definitely go into it knowing it's sad. Um, But we all, it's okay to read sad books and you can balance it out with sex and vanity later. So, (laughs) so there's that. I will say this is not my pick. This is not my pick because I think it's getting... Um, rightfully a lot of things but when you talk about kind of telling people about, about be- books being a certain way and then realizing oh it's not like this the undocumented americans it was on the short list for the national book award yes. for nonfiction. i don't know why but before i started it i thought it was going to be just very serious and it she actually has and i thought it was gonna be more academic i guess Mm-hmm. And her, but her sentences are so punchy, and there's so much character in her writing that I was like, oh, I was like, well, I feel like a lot of people probably got steered away by me calling it academic, and it's like actually very readable. Yeah, yeah, I think when you're well, and when you are having to, I think you on Bookstagram, and then me in the bookshelf, like we're having to preview a lot of things, like mm-hmm. like preview a lot of titles because publishers have sent them to you, or you know, I'm trying to stir up excitement and genuine excitement about books so that people might choose to buy them from their independent bookstore or whatever. And I can't read them all before <laughs> before I talk about them. I just truly, I don't, I don't, I don't have the time. Yeah. I can't do, I can't do it. Um, and so you do kind of preview these books based on what publishers have told you or the excerpts you've read or the vibe you're getting from the cover or something like that. And then occasionally you just get it wrong and, and in a good way. Like I loved the silent treatment. It just was so different from what I told people. It's not darkly funny. Instead, it's, instead it's really sweet melancholy but hopeful book about a relationship and which I still think is very much worth people's time and worth reading just not the laugh out loud uh, (laughs) book that I was promoting so that is The Silent Treatment by Abby Greaves okay well I am adding that to my list because that actually does sound actually I think I added to my list I love how like I add books to my list and then I keep saying oh I'm for sure adding it to my list now (laughs) Um, now it's moved up the list yeah Speaking of books like that people, you know, that we kind of judge on covers, my last pick 
is a book that's actually in my top 10, and I talked about it before, but I still feel like people are not giving it a chance, which is Kept Animals by Kate Milliken. It's one of those books where I still, even now at this point, I still have such like love for this book. The whole book is good, but like the last page, like, you know, sometimes like, like, you know, you'll be like, oh yeah, this was a really good book. And then that last page will hit you and you're like, wow. Like, yes. well this, yeah, this book, it's about mothers and about horses and about all sorts of things. But basically this, the book is bookended by two tragedies. The The first is this, um, this isn't really a spoiler because it kind of happens very early on, but um, a child is killed, like a young child is killed um, in a car accident. It kind of sets off this chain of events hmm. um, that leads into this, this forest fire type thing that's happening. It's, and it takes place in California, but it's like, you know, that fires catch there all the time. I get, I, I, I sound so, I, I know the hell, I know there's things happening in the world. I promise. I'm not, like, you it's know. okay. <laughs> but yeah, forgive me anyway. So yeah, but like it's trauma books that bookends the book, but it's just, it's about so many things. It, honestly, it's one of those books where so much is somehow packed into you know, like 300 ish pages. And it's a marvel at how she does it. And, and it's, and there's also, you know, it's about it, it deals with racism, with queerness, with, with loss, and all of these different things. And it does it in a way that never to me felt it, it just felt like so elegantly done. And, and I don't know, I just I, I need people I need I need people to read it. Okay. I'm intrigued by it. And because it's in your top 10, I'm very curious. There are so many books where I'm like, can I read them before the year is up or do I just need to put them on my 2021 lists? It's hard to say. I feel you. The struggle is real. Um, Hunter, thank you for sharing the, what should we call this? The lost books of 2020. Oh yeah. The, the, <laughs> the, un, the uncut gems, the hidden gems is uncut gems and Adam's the movie. movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, remember os- the Oscar party? That was this year. Do you remember that? Oh my God. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> that was this year when oh, no. I wanted to have people in my home and now no one is ever here. <laughs> it's just, just me and Jordan. Anyway, thank you for talking about the hidden gems of 2020. I am so grateful to talk with you about it. And like you, I have added now books to my list. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Front Porch is a weekly podcast production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in South Georgia. You can follow The Bookshelf's daily happenings on Instagram at bookshelftville, and all the books from today's episode can be purchased online through our store website. That's www.bookshelfthomasville.com. A full transcript of today's episode can be found at fromthefrontporchpodcast.com. Special thanks to Dylan and his team at Studio D Production for our transcript, for sound and editing, and for our theme music, which sets the perfect warm and friendly tone for our Thursday conversations. This week, I'm reading the Diana biography by Andrew Morton because I am obsessed with the crown. And so I'm reading a not very good biography. (laughs) about Princess Diana 20 years late. <laughs> what a vibe. <laughs> what are you reading, Hunter? Uh, um, okay, I'm, re- I'm reading two things. I'm rereading A Little Life again. Mm. Don't read it. It's sad. And then I'm also reading for the first time 
uh, Future Home of the Living God by Louise Erdridge. Oh, that's on my list. Please report back. I will. <laughs> if you liked what you heard on today's episode, tell us by leaving a review on iTunes, or if you're so inclined, support us on Patreon, where you can hear our staff's weekly new release Tuesday conversations, read full book reviews in our monthly Shelf Life newsletter, follow along as Hunter and I conquer a classic, and receive free media mail shipping on all your online book orders. Just go to patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. We're so grateful for you, and we look forward to meeting back here next week.